Now, you might notice, good morning, everybody. I have in my hand paper with my sermon on it. You might not be used to that. See, before there were iPads, we used to write things on, like, wood pulp that had been compressed and dried, and we called it paper. It was papyrus. (laughs) Papyrus, that's right. So it's a throwback Sunday. All right. I actually get nervous using technology when preaching because I'm afraid that it'll lock up on me or freeze. Although, have you ever done this? Um, Sometimes when I'm reading a magazine or do you ever double tap on something without thinking because you're trying, you want to zoom in? I have literally done that with paper or I'll do like that. And then I'm like, I hope no one saw me just do that. (laughs) I feel like an idiot. (laughs) Has no one else done that? Seriously? Never. Okay. Okay, good. Well, we're learn- you're learning a lot about me today. All right. Well, welcome. Today is week two. Last week, Andy kicked off a new series for us, which is called Dear Future Me. And we talked about, essentially, what, if you could say something to the future self, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, what would you say? What advice would you want to give your future self? What reminders would you want to give? And Andy read some letters that have been published on the Internet. Um, But really the basic premise is, what kind of person do you want to be? When you think of future me, what do you think of? You know, do you think of like flying cars and awesome stuff like that? And the funny thing is, is that we're talking about the future but really, all we have is today. That's all, that's all we have. All you and I have. Yesterday has already happened, right? Tomorrow's not here yet. What I have and what you have is today. And that's what our life is, is a succession of days. So you probably weren't expecting math to be involved, but how many days are in a year? Exactly. Okay, so five years that's 1,825 days. I did the math for you, so don't worry. Put your pencils away. 15 years is 5,475 days. So you see how we think of the future as this um, kind of untouchable, far-off thing, but what it really is is a day after a day after a day, and all of a sudden, here we are, right? So on Wednesday, in just a few days... I'm going to be turning 40. What was that? I only look 25. You guys, you didn't have to say that. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. That really, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but, no, I'll be turning 40 on Wednesday, guys. That, I've been having a midlife crisis already, so I really feel like I've already gotten all that out of the way. So it's all good. But 40 years that's 14,600 days that I, have, that I will have been on this earth. So when we talk about the future, when we talk about years down the road, you know, earlier, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were unpacking, we just moved, and I found, a, I found a letter that I'd written at the age of 17 to my future children. So the letter was like, dear children, by the time you read this, I will be 42 years old. And so I'm reading this now going, oh, my gosh, like, 
that's coming soon. And when I remember writing it at the time, it was like, that will never, I will never be in my 40s. Well, guess what? The future is now, right? It is about to happen, whether you like it or not. And you know, the future is not a magical place, right? When you think of your future me, you're not going to, I hate to break it to you, don't, but you're not going to magically transform into some kind of totally different person than you are right now. You're not going to be like George Jetson in your flying car wearing tinfoil. I don't know. Sometimes when we think of the future, we just think it's going to be so foreign and different from my life right now. Do you know what I'm learning in my nearly 14,600 days on the planet? That future me is probably a good bit like current day me. Because all I have is today. So what I want to talk about is how can we live each day so that it adds up to a future me that we can be proud of, that we can be excited about. Because otherwise the future just sounds too, you know, mystical or magical, or it's too hard to imagine what that's going to be like. But really what it is, is a day after a day after a day. So last week, Andy talked about having hope for the future and trusting God with our future. And so this week, I want to talk about how can we live each day so that it adds up to a future that that we want to be a part of. You know, in Psalm um, 90.12, The psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, there is wisdom in the awareness that our lives are finite and our days do have a number to them. You know, your days are numbered. That's usually kind of like a threat or whatever. I don't mean it that way, but it's true, right? We will not live to infinity. Well, we will live eternally with Jesus, but your life on earth... The psalmist says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can be wise about how we live, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So the first thing I want to share in in how to do that is, number one, is to, quite simply, enjoy your life. You guys, enjoy your life because, you know what, this is it. This is not a drill, this is your this is your life. There's no dress rehearsal. Sometimes I think I can fall into the mentality of that's okay. I'm just trying this out and I'll I can go back. I can circle back around if I don't feel like that went well. Well, you know what? This is the only 2016 I'm ever going to have. I want to enjoy my life. Proverbs 15:15 15, 15 says For the despondent, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I read that earlier this month, and I've probably thought about it every day since. Why is that? Because this is something I need to hear, because to be honest with you, I can be a little bit of a Debbie Downer. Do you ever watch SNL? You've seen that skit where she's just like, womp, womp, everything. She kind of, inwardly sometimes, I can be that way. I can be like, well, the sun is shining, but there's a cloud over, you know, or whatever. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. 
For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I want my life to be a continual feast. I want to enjoy it. I want to look for the good in the midst of the daily issues and frustrations. Now, does that mean that my life and my days don't have things that annoy me or irritate me or that I wish I didn't have to deal with? Absolutely not. We all have stuff in our days that we would rather not deal with, rather not be there. Sometimes I call it adulting. You know, when you have to do things that you don't want to do, I was telling Amy the other day, I was like, I'm so tired of adulting right now, you know. Usually it's involving like paperwork and insurance and, you know, adulting, stuff like that, right? Does anyone relate to this? But you got to do it, right? But for the happy heart, life's a continual feast. So if we will look for it, there's glimmers of goodness and joy. And we've got to figure out how to find that in every day, even the hard ones. You know, a few years ago, um, uh, I had cancer, and I was going through cancer treatment. And that was, as you might imagine, a difficult time and a, a, a trying time. And uh, I was having radiation treatment. And so for radiation treatment, I had to go to the hospital every single day, five days a week uh, for about six weeks. It was like a job. <laughs> Here's my job where I show up. So that was an exhausting time. It was very fatiguing um, we were, run, we were pastoring a church in the midst of it, so carving out the time to be at the hospital every single day while pastoring, it was a real challenge. And so, but in the midst of that, there was such goodness and joy. You know, Jason drove me to the hospital every day. So every day, it was like we had this little time together in the car. We'd go get hot chocolate afterward, or we'd go have lunch afterward. And it was just little things that I could find in each day. Now, some days I was cranky. I didn't want to talk to him in the car. I'd be like, oh, shut up. I mean, <laughs> just telling you the truth. But there was glimmers of goodness through all that time. So enjoy your life. Find what sparks joy in you and do more of it, okay? Order the chips and queso. You know what? It's going to be okay. You can have that. <laughs> do you know, seriously, though, nothing sparks more joy in Jason than Mexican food. I'm not even joking. If there's a salsa bar, his, at where his eyes are like lit up. And so it's little things. Find what sparks joy. Order the chips and queso. Go on the roller coaster. Take a mission trip. Watch that cheesy movie that everyone laughs at you for crying at, but you love it. So watch it anyway, right? Just find what you love and do more of it. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says, this is Solomon writing. He says, so I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. He says, people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Your life is a gift from God. Your work is a gift from God. The stuff you do in your leisure time, it's all a gift from God. That doesn't mean that you go out and just... It's not like Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street every day. You don't just live with sort of reckless abandon. There are boundaries. Don't be like, I, I went to church and they just said to live it up. It was, this is a great church. <laughs> there's boundaries and there's parameters and there's guidelines that God has put in place. And if you want to know more about that, come talk to one of us. We can talk more about um, those kind of things. But the bottom line is enjoy your life. Have fun. This is it, guys. This is what we have. Let's, let's enjoy it. So number two, and how to, to make the most out of every day, 
is keep your heart soft. So we have enjoy your life and then keep your heart soft. You know, if you envision your future me to be a man or woman of, of strong faith, who walks with the Lord and who sees God do great things, like I said, future me is not magical. That kind of realization takes following Jesus in the everyday. If we're not following Jesus every day, we're not going to wake up in 20 years and all of a sudden, you know, be Moses or somebody, right? We have to keep our hearts soft toward the Lord and follow him every day. That's why in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Remember what I said? All we have is today. That's all you're responsible for right now. And so today, when you sense the Lord speak to you, be open, be receptive. Don't harden your heart. You know, our hearts, we don't even realize it, but they can harden over time. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by a hard heart is one that is less receptive to God, that becomes more maybe cynical or insensitive or just not tuned in to what God might be saying or wanting to do in your life. And this can happen and build up over time, and we don't even necessarily realize it. So what can cause our hearts to harden? You know, you can have, have suffered a real disappointment in your life, maybe a, a relationship, a broken relationship, or just something you were really hoping and praying for, and it didn't come through like you wanted to. There can be some of us I know in this room have experienced just crushing disappointment. And if we allow that to, it can distance us from the Lord. Because what happens when we get hurt? We pull away, right? And when we pull away, that's when our hearts begin to harden. Hard hearts can also be a result of a sin that you indulge in repeatedly. An unhealthy habit, something that you know is not God's best for you, but you choose to do anyway. Over time, the scripture says that as we indulge in that, our hearts grow hard because we're less able um, to be sensitive to and to hear what God is saying. Or even just, you know, a priority in your life that gets top billing over your relationship with Jesus. If you over-prioritize something over your relationship with God, over time our hearts get hardened to what he's trying to say to us. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. You know, if you ever want some good truth bombs in your life, just read the book of 1 John because he is just throwing them like nobody's business. And it's just, this is powerful. If we claim that we're, in, that we're in relationship with Jesus, but we're walking in darkness deliberately, we're continuing in sin, and we're continuing to do things that we know God isn't, hasn't uh, called us to do, then we're lying and we're not living in the truth. And so if, if that's where you find yourself today, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Turn back. It's easy to let the stress and disappointments of life make us cynical. I have definitely been through seasons where I look back now and I realize my heart was pretty hard. I was kind of sarcastic about everything. I was a little bit bitter. I was a little bit like mistrusting of people and just ugh, whatever. You know, I've been through seasons where my heart has been hard. And you have to make a deliberate choice to return to the Lord. Because that's where our life is. And that's where the, the strength and the joy comes to live every day. So the third thing. So we have enjoy your life. 
keep your heart soft. The third thing is prioritize your relationships. Prioritize your relationships. Do you know that um, your relationships with people, that's the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you? Have you ever thought about that? You can't take anything with you except the relationships you have with people because those are eternal. And so they need to be a priority. First Peter 4, 8 through 9 says, above all, above all, in other words, prioritize this. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I can be pretty good at grumbling. I don't know about y'all. I mean, not to everybody. Like, I'll, I'll be good and covered up for most of y'all. But you can ask Jason. Sometimes I'm just like, you know? That's why I need to keep my heart soft because I know my natural tendency is to veer in that direction. That's why I got to stay close to the Lord every day. If I want future Amy to be this awesome woman of faith who can like leap tall buildings in a single bound and all that, then in my today, I have to make a choice to, to choose Jesus, to keep my heart soft, to listen to him, and to prioritize my relationships with people. I just want to encourage us today, don't be so busy that you can't invest in relationships. Sometimes the things in our life are urgent. There are urgent things, but urgent doesn't always equal important. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes for me, something will be like, you got to do this now, 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 now. But if I really take a step back and look, that is a false sense of urgency a lot of times. And the things that are truly important, I put on the back burner. So take the time to invest. I always tell myself, I will never regret making time for someone. And it's really true. I will never regret taking time to spend driving out to see someone. I never, even the times where it's an inconvenience, I can even look back on relationships that I've had, friendships I've had, that in the end I had to walk away from because they weren't great friendships for me. But you know what? Even then, I still don't regret it because I grew from it. I learned from it, and God used it in my life. Prioritize your relationships. It's so important. It's worth the inconvenience. 1 John 3.18. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Don't just talk the talk, you know. Walk the walk. So what are some ways that you can do that? Well, it just so happens to be our life group kickoff Sunday, right? One of the best ways that you could connect with people and prioritize relationships is just build it into your schedule, right? If it is written on your, you might be one of these kind of people. If it's written on my schedule, I'm just going to do it, right? If working out is like written into my calendar, I'm just going to do it. And so if life group is written down, you're just going to go and you're going to do it. And you're going to see over time a good effect in your life, a cumulative effect where you feel connected, you feel close to people. So I want to encourage you Find out more about life groups today and get in one. And also prioritize your relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Deliberately connect with people who don't know the Lord. Sometimes it can get really easy for us to get in our little bubble, you know. Take time to ask questions, to listen to the answers, to connect with people who don't know the Lord. 
Okay. So we have enjoy your life. What was number two? Yes. What was number three? Exactly. So number four. Number four in following Jesus in the everyday and making our today matter is to stretch your faith. Stretch your faith. And I'm going to talk to you guys about this. And as I do that, the ushers are going to hand out something. I have a little present for you all today. And it'll make sense in a minute what, what it's for. But you guys can begin to get those ready and hand those out when you're ready. So stretch your faith. You know, there comes a time in life where you just got to go for it. We serve a big God. One of my favorite quotes is from D.L. Moody. He said he was a great evangelist and minister in the, in the 19th century, early 20th century. He said, if God be your partner, make your plans large. I'm like, yeah. If God be your partner, dude, hello, what can you accomplish? Make your plans large. Stretch your faith. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 11, 4 through 6. I love this. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Do you know that there's never a perfect time to do anything? There's never a perfect time to have a baby. Can anyone testify to that? <laughs> I mean, is it getting hot in here? I mean, seriously. Jason and I have counseled um, couples before who were, were trying to figure out when they were going to get married. There's never a perfect time to get married. There's, there's, never, there's always a reason that you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe, there, maybe we should wait. Maybe there's, better. there's never a perfect time to start a business. There's never a perfect time to move. Everything we do, the big moments in our life, requires us to stretch our faith. You hear what I'm saying? Does this resonate with anybody? You know, in 2005, when Jason and I moved to Australia, um, <laughs> we'd never been there. The first time we went to Australia was when we were getting off the plane to, to live there. We'd never been. We gave away or sold pretty much everything we had. I was actually, after we decided we were moving, I found out I was pregnant. So I was five months pregnant with Nate when we <laughs> got off the plane. I look back at that now, and I'm like, really, Amy? See, there's no perfect time. I was literally a few days in Sydney calling hospitals and being like, can I come have a baby at your hospital? I, didn't ha I, I was not prepared. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I really had to stretch my faith. One day at a time, we trusted that God had us and that he would provide. So why are you holding those things in your hand? I'll, I'll tell you. A couple years ago, Jason and I went on a cruise for our uh, 15th anniversary. And one of the stops, which I highly recommend, by the way, if you want to talk about cruises later, we can talk about it. But one of the stops on the cruise was in Vanuatu, which is this tiny little island in the South Pacific. And so each day when, you, when the boat was docked somewhere, you could go on these little excursions. You know, they had different little tours you could do or whatever. So one of the things you could do in Vanuatu was uh, abseiling or rappelling uh, down a waterfall. So you would hike like a mile up the mountain to the waterfall, and then you'd, you know, get harnessed in and roped in. I think they call it rappelling here, maybe. Yeah. You rappel down the face of the waterfall. Well, if you know Jason Hubbard, 
That is exactly what he wanted to do. In fact, if we had a cliff in our backyard, he would get up every morning before breakfast and go jump off it. I don't know. So I was like, don't you want to do the excursion where we go and lay on the beach and have the umbrella drinks? I mean, that sounds... No, he wanted to do... So, look, I'm kind of an indoor girl. I'm not going to lie. I like being outdoors, and I like exercising, but I'm not a super adventurous person. Things like that really make me nervous. But it was our anniversary, and I was trying to be nice, right? So (laughs) I do try to be nice sometimes. So I said, okay. So we hike up to this, uh, we hike up this mountainside to the top of this waterfall, and I think it was like, was it like 60 feet or something? Or bigger? I'm terrible with this. It was like 8,000 feet tall. I don't know, but it was really big. I should have asked you before how tall it was, because it's kind of messed up the story now, but that's okay. It was a big waterfall, y'all. So, you know, have you ever done this before? You have your harness, and you have the carabiner clip, sort of like the one you're holding right now, and you have the rope through it, and you basically have to get to the edge of the cliff. Have you ever done, have you all ever done this before? You get to the edge of the cliff, and you have to step backwards off the, I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to fall. You have to step backwards off. You have to lean. You not only have to do that, you have to lean and then let the rope begin to lower you down. What was funny, as I was looking for a photo I'm going to show you guys in just a second, Jason had taken a video of me starting my climb down because he went, of course, he made me go first. Of course you did. Whatever. Anyway, you were videoing it, and I was going to show you all the video, and then I was like, you probably didn't come to church and want to see someone else's vacation video, which is just a guess. So I won't show you the video, but he's filming me starting my climb down. And you can see on my face, I'm listening to the guide, and I'm so, I actually start sweating just thinking about it. I was so nervous. And he says, Jason says, he narrates my climb. He says, she's going to have to lean straight back over the cliff, trust the ropes, and just start falling. And that's what he said. And that is basically what you have to do. But I'm kind of glad I didn't hear him say that at the time, because I would have probably punched him in the stomach. and Shut up. It's easy for you to say. But that's what you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to just lean back, trust the ropes, and go for it. And just start falling. And that's what we did. You can put the picture up, um, Taylor. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's me on on this side. And you can't tell from the angle, but we're like leaning at a 45-degree angle from this waterfall and going down. Now, the smile on my face is completely fake. I was not how I was feeling at the time. Jason was loving it. But here's the thing about stretching our faith and taking risks. Some of you might love this kind of stuff. It might be just what you love to do. And that's great. But think of something that scares you. Think of something that you would rather, you know, lay down on train tracks rather than do. I was really frightened of this. And here's the thing. When we stretch our faith and we have to trust the ropes, right? I was nervous the whole time. Sometimes we think, well, if I stretch my faith, then that, mean, that means God's going to come in and make me feel all better about it. You know what? The whole way down that waterfall, I was scared and unsure the whole time. But you know what? I did it anyway. I did it afraid. And it was, it was actually exhilarating. 
I don't want to do it again because I've done it once and now I know I can. But it was exhilarating. So what risk is he inviting you to take? You might feel completely inadequate to the task. You might, God might have called you to start a business and you feel completely unskilled and unqualified. Don't wait for a day. We're talking about today, remember? Don't wait for a day to come where you all of a sudden feel like, I know exactly what to do because that day will not come. You know, when Andy and Amy moved up here to Kennesaw to start this church, do you think there was ever a day that they were like, 100%, I've got this, I know exactly what I'm doing? No, I can just tell you, and I'm sure they could testify. All you and I have is today, and we can't wait for our emotions to catch up to what God is calling us to do. Sometimes we've got to stretch our faith and trust the ropes. Trust the ropes that where God calls you, He will also anchor you. See, when the reality is, is that when I was going down the face of that waterfall, I had like this kung fu death grip on those ropes, right? But actually, if I had let go of the ropes, the ropes would have held me secure because that's how the, that's how the setup was. You might feel like you are dangling off the edge of a cliff, but the reality is Jesus has you. You are tethered to him. You are roped in to his goodness, his plan for your life, and his love for you. And he will not and cannot let you go. God will not just throw you over a cliff when he calls you out to stretch your faith. He's got you.